Good morning, church. I almost started breakdancing there. That was some cool music. <laughs> felt like it, we were on like an episode of Stranger Things or something. Um, <laughs> but um, good morning. If you can and feel like standing for the word, let's do that. I know you guys look so comfortable, but it's the word. It deserves honor. <laughs> Our word this morning is from Ephesians 1, 15 through 18 in the New Living Translation. It says it this way, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. This is the word of the Lord. And real quick, while you're getting settled, I'm just going to pray over you. God, I pray for my CIL family, those that are here and those that are watching online, that you would give them spiritual wisdom and insight, that they would grow in their knowledge of you, and that the Holy Spirit would flood them with light, filling them with confidence and hope with who we are in you, by you, and for you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen. Well, Aaron already referenced our um, unofficial uh, anniversary of CIL. And it was earlier this week that a picture popped up in my memories from three years ago when we were celebrating our 10-year anniversary. And at that time, I was the worship leader here at CIL and had been doing that for a long while while also, you know, being a pastor's wife and, and doing some stuff like that. And as I was getting older and my kids were getting to be teenagers, and I mean, it's hard enough being a worship leader and a pastor's wife when your kids are toddlers. It's hard enough being a parent when your kids are toddlers. But, you know, once they got into the teenage years and they have like things that you want to attend and, and stuff like that, it was just, I was feeling um, like my time was probably done with, with that portion. Um, but all my life I had been known as a singer. That was my identity. I was just known as, oh, that's the girl that can sing. Let's have her do that. Um, and a little bit before our 10 year anniversary, I started having just like intense vocal problems. So that was weighing into it too. And I was standing like, well, I won't go there because the the camera. Can you follow me? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I was standing right here, and Aubrey and Jen were up here. Jonathan Lee was up here. Penny was up here, and we were worshiping. And it was just, it was one of the most beautiful moments of of unity and corporate worship. And it was a high. I mean, it really was. But I clearly heard the Lord speak to me. You're done. You're finished with, with this. I release you. And I honestly had been praying that he would release me. So it wasn't like a, like, oh no. But also it was really scary because I realized I had hinged a lot of my worth on that position. 
as much as I know that that's not my worth, that what we do is not who we are, and what we do does not determine our value, well, I'm human, and I thank God that he had already started working on me and kind of setting the stage for me to, as hard as it was, he had already been preparing me. So it was an easier transition, perhaps, than it, than it should have been. But point one, your earthly identity will change. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. Your earthly identity will change at some point. And I don't think that I ever really anticipated that earlier on when I first started having the position of worship leader. I think I just thought, this is easy for me. I can do this forever. Why would I ever stop? Why would I ever step down or switch positions or whatever? But your earthly identity will change. And, and in my notes, I just have be ready. Be ready. Know who you are other than for your job or what you do. So let's talk about identity just for a minute. There are parts of our identity that we cannot control. Okay, so like where we're born, the family we're born into, the country we're born, we're Americans, we're, we are Tennesseans, we're, I'm Kentuckian, whatever. Um, I guess he's a Texan, you know. Um, (laughs) Who said, all right, yeah, Marcy. Um, Okay, that's my girl. Um, The color of the hair that we're born with, even though we can certainly change that, holla. Um, And at a certain point, so we have certain identifiers that we just can't change from the get-go. Would everybody agree with that? Yes? Okay, thank you. You guys are so interactive. I love that. Now, we can move. We can change our hair, thank God. We can change our name. We can change jobs. And if we're lucky, those changes are of our own free will, right? Okay? Now, some identifiers are based on accomplishments or employment or assignment. And I'm going to miss a lot of things here, but here's the list that I have. Spouse, parent, grandparent, boss, captain, pastor, teacher, missionary, officer, lawyer, realtor, doctor, nurse, baker, welder, recruiter. I could go on and on. And I've missed a lot of things that are in here. Everybody agree with that so far, okay? Then we have identifiers that come from outside forces. They're labels that people give us. She's a leader. He's handsome. So-and-so is athletic or talented or godly or really nice person. And God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. As my pro- and I did not even know that you guys were going to do that song today when I wrote all of this. Isn't God good? Um, and those are things that we find joy and acceptance in. Some labels, would you say? You agree with me? Nod your heads. Um, there are things that people say about us and we're like, I receive. Like, I receive that. I'm, I'm going to embody that, Okay. So, but then there are identifiers we choose for ourselves, and we want to be known as. I want to be known as smart, and it, and it bothers me if, if, I'm a, if I appear stupid to someone, you know? Strong, put together, organized, not me, busy, mm? Mm? 
we don't want to be busy, but we're going to be known as busy because we may have to say yes to something we don't want to say. I'm busy. Okay. Fun, adventurous, serious. Some people want to be known as serious. I don't understand those people, but some people do. Extrovert, introvert. I'm an introvert and no one believes me, but I am. Coffee lover. We get t-shirts saying we're coffee lovers. That's a form of our identity. A runner, another group I don't understand, but there are people who really identify with that. Like, you do that for pleasure. I don't get it, but good for you. Um, Dependable. We had a marriage um, conference here one time, and we had to, like, break apart as with your spouse, and we had to come up with, like, five identifiers or five adjectives that described our spouse. And my number one thing for Aaron was dependable. And he was shocked. But I was like, how can you be shocked? If he says he's going to do something, he does it. It doesn't matter how he feels. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he changes his mind. I'm someone that enthusiastically agrees to do something. And 10 minutes later, I'm like, why did I do that? I have to move out of the country now because I don't feel like doing it. Okay. Um, All right. Where am I? I lost my place. Oh, okay. So now we'll get serious just for a second. There are identities, identifiers that are not so welcome. Okay. Like widow, widower, orphan. Did you know that there's not a word for someone who has lost a child? I Googled that because I was like, what? I mean, you're a bereaved parent, but there's not like a word like widow, widower. And, and then I found there is one called Vilima, but people don't really like to use it because there shouldn't be a word. That sort of cheapens it, doesn't it? And um, to a lesser degree, empty nester. You don't really control. Well, I guess you could control that. Just kick them out. But... and. <laughs> And let's, let's be honest, my children aren't here this service. There are advantages to empty nesting. Can I get an amen to those empty nesters in the house? Okay. And we're really not. We still have a kid at home, but anyway, barely. Um, but then there's the worst one at all, of all, Cowboys fan. I'm sorry. I love you. But, <laughs> and really that's payback for you saying that you had a bucket list without me last week. He said that in the 1045, he said, I have my non-Beth bucket list. And I was like, what? I didn't know. <laughs> Good to know I'll get started on mine. But really, I'm, I'm very sorry for putting that picture up. But I will tell you how much I love my husband. If you missed this on social media a couple of weeks ago, He talked about hummingbirds. We now are going to have a hummingbird 242 group because of all the people we've discovered that love hummingbirds. But I stood, you remember that heat wave that we had a couple of weeks ago? Or I mean, a couple of days ago, seemed like weeks ago. Um, I stood in our backyard with a camera and zoomed in on those hummingbirds for 45 minutes to put that shot back up. I'm going to frame it. I'm going to put it in his office. 
That's how much I love him. But then I fell in love with those little suckers. And let me tell you something. They fight. There's like a little turf war going on in our backyard right now. It's crazy. Um, But seriously, okay, let's get back to the the sermon. Um, So I, I polled people on social media. And I said, if you feel comfortable doing so, share with me an example of a time that perhaps something was spoken over you, a label was given to you, words were said to you that to this day you remember that instance or whatever and it changed you. It changed how you saw yourself. It changed how you behave. Maybe the things that you feel confident going for. Um, And you know, I just, I don't think I was prepared for the responses that I would get. Because I, I posted that right before I left work to go to the grocery store. And I ended up sitting in the Aldi parking lot crying. Um, I couldn't even go in for a minute because of the, of the stories that I read. And, um, and look, it's good, to, it's good to be known by a group of people. Like you should have people that um, will call you out on things. No one hear me, no one benefits from living in an echo chamber, okay? That's not good. That's not what I'm saying. But I think, I think that we've lost our desire and our ability to think critically, um, which just means to think carefully and have critical conversations, which means like just to talk to people who hold different views than we do and have a careful exchange of ideas, right? Don't you think we've probably lost that? And, and I crave that. Like I really do. I crave that. But I am thankful for friends and family who will just bluntly say to me, no, you cannot wear wide leg pants. That's not your strength. <laughs> you have other strengths. <laughs> so don't do that. I don't care if skinny pants are out you have no legs, so don't wear wide pants. Um, so thank you, friends. Um, but back to the stories. So I noticed two things. First of all, not one man responded to me. You can just think on that for the rest of the day. I don't even know what it means, but not one single. I'm sure there's just lots of reasons. Probably they just didn't feel comfortable in me knowing your business. I totally get that. That's fine. But I'm just fascinated because I'm like, do you just not internalize things maybe? Or maybe things just roll off your back and you're just like, that person was stupid. They don't, they're not the boss of me. And go on with your life. If so, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. But the stories that I heard, it wasn't even, like I expected a lot of like, you're ugly, you're stupid, you can't do anything, you're a loser. And there was a fair amount of that, but the most thing that I heard was people saying it was, it was like a slow drip. It was like a slow burn that happened over time of someone just pick, pick, picking at me and destroying my confidence. Destroy A lot of um, parents and a lot of ex-spouses of I over time thought I was completely worthless because of the words of someone else. And the worst part was hearing about abuse. Well, and I, I, I'm sort of a mama bear, you know, so as I got these stories, I spent probably the rest of Thursday night like just interacting with these people and trying to pour, even though most of them had kind of 
you know, dealt with it already. And it killed me that a lot of people said, this is going to sound silly, but, and then went into this story that I was like, what? There's nothing silly about that. First of all, it, it hurt you. Like it impacted you. It changed your life. There's nothing silly about that. But can we all just pause just for a moment? Like, you may not be the person that's been impacted by words like that. You may be the person that delivered it. Can we be careful with what we speak over people and not just say, toughen up? Just toughen up. Grow a, grow a thicker skin. The word says our words have power of life and death. Okay, so let's take care. Let's take care with one another. So the worst part, though, to me was hearing uh, people recount to me abusive words and actions from people in the church. So here's a quote from Tish Harrison Warren, a lady that I just adore. She's an author. You can put that graphic up there. It says, yes, the church is part of the good news of Jesus, and the church proclaims the good news of Jesus. But when men and women have only seen churches formed by unhealthy power, celebrity, competitiveness, secrecy, and self-protection, our corporate ecclesial life belies the truth of the gospel. The church can only witness to the truth of Jesus by seeking justice, serving with humility, operating transparently, and confessing and lamenting failures. I'll put that. I'll put that slide. I'll put that slide on social media later, so you guys can have it and look over it, or you can just read the book that I'm about to talk about too. Point number two: Your church has an identity, and you help form it. Every church has an identity, and yes, a big part of it comes from the staff and the leadership, but an equal part of it comes from the people who make that church their home. We all have a responsibility. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. You're here. Congratulations. As some people do. (laughs) Throw a little shade there. As some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's another quote by Kurt Thompson. He's a therapist that I absolutely adore. And it says, it is love that transforms our minds, makes forgiveness possible, and weaves a community of disparate people into the tapestry of God's family. So we're a tapestry here at CIL Church. And we each have a little thread that's into what projects to our community as our identity. And the book that I just read, it's called um, A Church Called Tov. Okay, Tov in Hebrew means good. And I thought it was Tov, but I looked it up, it's Tov, and it said so in the book, so I learned something. Um, But in the book, and Tish Harrison Warren, she wrote the foreword to it, that's where I got that quote from. But in the book, A Church Called Tov, there is this thing called the circle of Tov, okay? The circle of Tov. And it starts with 
You nurture empathy. Resist a narcissist culture. I'm going to read it off here. Second, nurture grace. Resist a fear culture. Put people first. Resist institution creep. You'll have to read the book. To I'm not going to go into every single one of these points. But um, tell the truth. Why do we have to say that? Why do we have to say that about a church? Tell the truth. Resist false narratives. Know Yom Kippur. Form a truth-telling culture. We, as leadership, try to try to give a truth-telling culture, and you guys give a good truth-telling culture, okay? Nurture justice. Resist the loyalty culture. And what that means is, if there's abuse going on, we don't cover it up. We don't cover it up. It gets uncovered, and it gets dealt with, okay? We're not loyal to a person, so loyal to someone that, you, that they can't be accountable. I'm going to say that one more time. We are not loyal to anyone so much that they can't be accountable for abuse or whatever. Nurture service. Resist the celebrity culture. That's my job. I keep him in line. He tries to get all celebrity on me, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> not on my watch. Okay. Um, and then nurture Christ-likeness. Resist the leader culture. We're all servants. We're servants here, and I love CIL. I'm so thankful. I'm so. Th- I mean. I'm like, Lord, don't let this turn into pride, you know, because I just love what we got going on here. Are we perfect? No, but nobody is, you know, but I think we're just trying, (laughs) you know. Last point. I'm doing good. 9.55. All right. Aaron's like, you talk a lot. Um, All right. So look, last point. And I'm not really just going to expound on a lot of this. I'm just, we're going to dig into the word right now, okay? Your God identity is not just encouragement. It's a standard. All throughout the word, it says how we went from death to life. We went from darkness to light. We are this, we are that because of God. We are this and we are that because of Christ and his saving of us, his redemption. Um, And that's not just to make us feel good. That's to give us a standard to live up to. So I need your help right now. I'm going to go through these scriptures, and this is some good stuff. Oh, I lied. I am expounding on one of them, the first one. But anyway, it's good stuff. But I just, I need you to, like, get excited about this with me. I was a cheerleader. I'm going to admit it. But I just, I need, like, your, like, your interaction. Like, I'm a, I'm a participatory movie watcher. People kind of hate going to the movies with me because, like, I scream. I talk back to the characters, like, run faster. You're going to get killed and stuff like that. And so, like, as we're watching this, like, you can, you can, like, say yes, amen, come on. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Galatians 4, 6 through 7 says this, and because we are his children, I mean, that's good news right there, right? Uh, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. 
Amen. Listen to this. Under Roman law, an adopted son was guaranteed all, listen, all legal rights to his father's property. Even if he was formerly a slave, he was not a second-class son. He was equal to all other sons, biological or adopted, in his father's family. As adopted children of God, we share with Jesus all rights to God's resources. As God's heirs, we can claim what he has provided for us. Amen, hallelujah, our full identity as his children. We're his children. It doesn't matter. Yes, it hurt. Yes, I want the people I love to speak good things over me. I want them to believe in me. I want them to say it. And I want them to think that I'm good and I'm smart and I'm beautiful and I can do it all. But if they don't, I'm a co-heir with Christ. And that is what I will focus on. That is what I believe. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, Romans 8, 16 through 17. For the spirit, for his spirit, joins with our spirit. How beautiful is that? His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since, Aubrey, you can come on up. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Did I have that in there right? Okay, um, this is one of my favorites right here. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are not like that. So before that, in like verse 8, it was talking about all the things that they're not. Okay, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. God chose us. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. We just sang about that this morning. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy but now you have received God's mercy. So much better than anybody else's mercy, than any other thing's mercy. God's mercy. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you do. You as an individual, us as a church, we have the identity of Christ. We are image bearers individually and as a group. We are in this together. So we might as well like each other. We might as well work together, you know? The last one, and this absolutely cracks me up. I love going to the message sometimes because <laughs> it's just funny. But Matthew 5, 47 and 48 says it like this in a word uh, where is that yeah there in a word what I'm saying is grow up oh no actually go back to 47 I'm sorry I was I was reading it wrong if all you do is love the lovable do you expect a bonus anybody can do that if you simply say hello to those who greet you do you expect a medal Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. Verse 48. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. 
Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Can that just be sort of like we can write it on our mirrors and dry erase marker this week? We're kingdom subjects. And we're going to live like it. We have a God-created identity. Amen? Pray as Aaron comes up. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your power, Lord, your appointing over us, God, that you knew us before we were even in our mother's womb, God. You knew who we were. You see us, God. You see the ways that we need to be shaped and formed and pruned. Transform us, God, into a beautiful tapestry, Lord. Transform us all. Let us hold up the arms of our brothers and sisters. Let us not just be in it for ourselves, God, but as a community of believers. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.